Section 5. How to Create Christian Communities, Apostolic Foundations. We now come to the central question that I want to discuss, which is, how do we go about creating these Christian communities? The answer to this is that we need a catalyst around which a community can develop. To create a Christian community, you need a core group of people with a shared vision and a sense of calling to do the work that this vision requires for it to become a reality. In other words, you need a core group of people with a shared vision and a sense of mission that can act as a focal point or catalyst around which a local community can form and develop, and from which missionaries can go out to other places to start the same process elsewhere. How do we create these core groups that will initiate this process? For many Christians, indeed perhaps most, the obvious answer would seem to be the church. The problem is that this answer does not work, nor has it ever worked. There may have been isolated examples, but if so, they are the exception and do not constitute the general rule. The reason they do not work as a catalyst for the development of a Christian social order is that the churches are obsessed with themselves and they almost inevitably end up as a little more than Christian mystery cults and leadership cults. Although leadership is probably the wrong word here, since they do not usually provide any real leadership in this respect at all. Control cults would be a better term. And the priority of the churches is always on the ritualization of the faith in the church services, which of course, because they are deemed to be sacred rituals, have to be presided over by a priest, a mediator, who guards and validates the ritual. Of course, this is a departure from the practice of the New Testament assemblies of believers, and the churches did not begin to develop along these lines until after the sub-apostolic age. But this development ultimately led to the restriction of the faith to the liturgical and the clerical. These things then became the be-all and end-all of the Christian faith. In other words, the most important thing, the absolute focal point in the Christian life, becomes being a member of one of these cults and turning up for the regular ritual meetings in which the official magic is performed by the priest at the front. I'm not referring here merely to the Episcopal churches. This problem cuts across the whole spectrum of church life, from the Episcopal churches to the free churches and the charismatic churches. The rituals and the fancy dress differ between the various cults, i.e. the denominations, but the understanding of the faith is the same. But the church is not meant to be our focus. It is not what we are to seek before all else. The kingdom of God and his righteousness are to be what we seek before all else. When we make the church the focus of the faith, we lose the kingdom of God as a concrete reality. The kingdom of God becomes almost indefinable in meaningful terms. If you doubt this, try asking a Christian what the kingdom of God is. The biblical assemblies of Christians, not the church in the sense of a liturgical institution presided over by priests, are a consequence of our seeking the kingdom of God and discipling the nations. In other words, the Christian assemblies are a consequence of apostolic mission, 
the apostolic mission is what leads to the founding of the Christian assemblies. It is not the church or the Christian assembly that leads to an apostolic mission, but the other way around. Jesus told us that he would build his ecclesia, his assembly. He told us to seek first the kingdom of God and disciple the nations. The discipleship, therefore, comes from the apostolic missions, not the churches. And the Christian communities and assemblies of Christians should follow and be led by the same apostolic communities, the apostolic missions, upon which they are founded. But today, this is all the wrong way around. And it has been the wrong way around throughout much of Christian history. The churches have become the leaders and the controllers of missions for which has really meant that they have usually acted as a break on an apostolic mission, and often they have been a wrecking ball of apostolic mission. This has been a disaster. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says, quote, For through him we both, i.e. Jews and Gentiles, have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And quote Ephesians 2 verses 18 to 20. The church today is not built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, but rather upon the foundations of pastors and teachers, something that is nowhere spoken of in the Bible. And this has been a disaster, a debacle. Pastors and teachers are not meant to be what the assemblies of Christians are founded on. The focus of the pastors and teachers is too narrow, and unfortunately, usually totally obsessed with the church cultus, which means ultimately that pastors and teachers are obsessed with themselves and their own celebrity status in the cult. Pastors should be focused on those they are pastoring and teachers should be focused on teaching the Word of God, but both are today primarily focused on themselves and the celebrity cults, big or small, that they call the church. Leadership in the Great Commission and the seeking of the Kingdom of God is usually absent. The thing that matters is the cult and the status of those who lead it. The whole of the church meeting usually revolves around these leaders, and they are the ones who do just about everything, or authorize an elite group of people to do things under their supervision. And effectively what this means is that the Christian's citizenship of the kingdom of God is surreptitiously confiscated from him and vested in the clergy. This system is not found in the New Testament. In fact, it is contradicted by the practice of the Christians in the New Testament. The church as an institution has become a top-down authority structure, a hierarchy modeled on the kingdoms and power politics of the world. It was not this way in the New Testament, and the pastors and teachers have taken over as the ones who control ministry. But they are ill-equipped for this leadership, and nothing demonstrates this fact better than the deplorable state of the churches under their leadership. They do have a role, of course, that of pastoring and teaching, but often this gets lost in their desire to control not only all ministry in the church, but the church members as well, 
which they should not be doing, and often this gets very ugly. The focus of pastors and teachers is usually quite narrow, and they are very suspicious and obstructive of anyone with any apostolic vision for the expansion of the kingdom of God. Primarily, they function as the leaders of escapist cults, not leaders of world-transforming apostolic missions. As a consequence, they are not suited to leadership of the body of Christ in its mission to disciple the nations and transform the world into the kingdom of God. But in any case, the assemblies of Christians should not be built on the foundation of the pastors and teachers, but on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. It was the apostolic communities that took the gospel around the world and founded the assemblies of Christians. And in the New Testament period, it was the apostolic communities that provided the leadership. The apostolic community came first and the Christian assemblies were the result of their mission and followed their leadership. The word of God has given us the correct order of things here, but the church has ignored this and indeed actively opposed it. Unless we correct this error, we shall not merely remain at the impasse we have reached, we shall go backwards, and indeed, that is precisely what is happening. The body of Christ has gone as far as it possibly can go on this faulty and inverted model of leadership. The church is on her knees before the world, and the church leaders have no vision. Those with vision are constantly ostracized because they are perceived by the pastors and teachers as a threat to their own power base, but their, quote, leadership, end quote, has led the church and the world into the ditch. The blind leading the blind, as Jesus spoke of the Pharisees of his own day in Matthew 15, verse 14. The apostolic bands took the leadership in the New Testament age, and these were primarily itinerant. Today, the church, as an hierarchical institution, leads and controls the missions, i.e., sends out and controls the missionaries. This is not the biblical order. In the Bible, the apostolic community is in leadership. It is not controlled by the churches. Rather, the assemblies of Christians are under the leadership of the apostolic community. The household of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, not on the foundation of the pastors and teachers. We are now seeing where that faulty order has led us. The church is in ruins today. She is a church with no vision. The vision should be provided by the apostolic community. And because the church has rejected this biblical order, she has atrophied. Now, of course, discussion of this whole subject has been made very difficult today by the charismatic movement which has done the church and the world a great disservice by, among other things, adopting and championing a view of apostleship that is unbiblical and that is really no more than bishops by a different name. And bishops are part of the institutional church edifice, not part of the apostolic communities or missions. There is nothing apostolic about bishops, whether in the episcopal denominations or the charismatic churches. Apostles in these churches are just jumped-up elders, bishops who get to bully a group of churches around instead of a single church, and they work on the same theory of authority that the world has 
and that the Lord Jesus has said was not to be how discipleship worked in the kingdom of God. Quote, but Jesus called unto them and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you. For whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life as a ransom for many. End quote. Matthew 20, verse 25 to 28. It is commonly believed in many churches, such as the older free church Protestant denominations, that the ministry of apostles ceased with the twelve apostles and Paul at the end of the New Testament age. But this idea is not derived from scripture itself. The word apostle in the Greek means one who is sent. Apostolos from the Greek verb apostello, meaning to send. This is the same word as missionary in English, which comes from the Latin verb mito, meaning to send. Apostle and missionary mean the same thing. Of course, those churches that deny the continuing ministry of apostles beyond the New Testament age also assert the necessity and continuing validity of missionaries. But this makes no sense. How do apostles become valid and necessary just because we change the word by putting the concept into a different language? Missionaries are valid and necessary, but not apostles? Yet they mean exactly the same thing. The Bible nowhere sets forth a view that apostles were limited to the twelve disciples and the New Testament age. This idea has been read into the New Testament at best, eisegesis, and often, not even that, but just asserted as ecclesial dogma. But because we have dispensed with biblical category, we then need to reinvent it and give it another name, missionary or bishop. Although the Episcopal used the latter, bishop involves just as much corruption of the biblical category as the charismatic use of the word apostle. I do not, of course, subscribe to the modern hierarchical authoritarian idea of apostleship, either on the charismatic or episcopal understanding of the concept, neither of which I believe is biblical, and both of which I think have been read into scripture. Jesus ruled out these authoritarian interpretations from the very beginning. Matthew 20 verses 25 to 28. I understand why people would want to avoid talking about modern apostles. Most of those who like to use the term of themselves today, at least in the church, are not apostles at all, but are rather, like the bishops, merely tin-pot popes, i.e. authoritarian cult leaders. But it seems to me we cannot afford to dispense with biblical categories if we are going to understand scripture properly. The answer, therefore, is not non-use, but correct use of the term. When I speak of apostolic communities and missions, therefore, I am not referring to the view of apostleship that prevails in the charismatic churches, which is not apostolic in any sense, in my opinion. The apostolic communities are not power structures or hierarchies. They are communities with a vision for and commitment to the kingdom of God 
and the discipling of the nations, and with bringing all thought captive to and under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are communities that are committed to this as their mission. These kinds of communities are sometimes referred to in missional language by the Roman Catholic Church as sodalities. The word sodality comes from the Latin word sodalitas, which means brotherhood, fellowship, a society or association, and also a company assembled for feasting or banqueting club. In a bad sense, it can mean an unlawful secret society. These apostolic communities are not top-down hierarchies, but sodalities, communities of like-minded believers working together as brethren for the sake of the kingdom and the conversion of the nations to the Christian faith across the whole spectrum of human life. Well, if the churches are not to be the catalyst around which the seeking of the kingdom of God and the progress of the Great Commission are to revolve, what is? The answer is apostolic communities, apostolic sodalities. It is out of these that the creation of Christian communities will come, and as a consequence of this, we shall see the building up of the kingdom of God and the discipling of the nations. And it has always been this way. The Christian communities and assemblies should therefore be apostolically led. But again, please note that I am not using the word apostolic in the charismatic sense or the episcopal sense. We need to reclaim the biblical language and terminology from those who have misused, abused and perverted it. We need to do this in order to understand scripture properly and align ourselves with its teachings and priorities. The apostolic bands provided leadership in the New Testament, and despite the emergence of the Episcopal system, and by the way, all churches today are functionally Episcopal, regardless of any theory to the contrary, the apostolic communities or sodalities continued to lead the missions in the conversion of Europe It was not the pastors and teachers that converted Europe, but the monasteries and monks, the orders which were, despite all their problems, the heirs of the apostolic bands of the New Testament. This leadership by the apostolic community requires centers of mission that can act as a catalyst for the development and growth of Christian communities and the growth of a Christian social order, out of which will come the discipling of the nations. This is how the early apostolic bands worked. This is what the monasteries were with all of their problems. It is also what the early Protestant mission sodalities were. We need to establish apostolic communities that are leading the way across the whole spectrum of human life and forming communities that are civilizations in seminal form. Setting up churches has not and will not provide this leadership. Instead, we need to create new sodalities, new centers of apostolic vision and mission, new communities committed and dedicated to the kingdom of God as a counter-revolutionary prophetic social order governed by the covenant of grace that has come into this world now and is meant to grow until it displaces and eventually replaces the social orders of men. The assemblies of Christians are a result of this, not its cause. And as long as they follow the apostolic leadership, they have an important role to play. If they reject the biblical model, 
They will be blind guides, leading the blind into a ditch, which is just what has happened. There is a very interesting Jewish aphorism that goes like this, The tail of the serpent said to the head, How much longer will you walk first? The head replied, Go. The tail went, and coming to a ditch of water, dragged the head into it. It encountered a fire and pulled the head into it, and coming to thorns, dragged it among them. What was the cause of all of this? Because the head followed the tail. This is what has happened with the seeking of the kingdom of God and the Great Commission. The churches, i.e. the tail, have led the way and dragged the apostolic communities and missions, the head, into the ditch with them. This inverted order must be corrected if the kingdom of God is to flourish and the Great Commission is to be fulfilled. There is no one type or size fits all for these apostolic communities and centers of mission. There are a great many varieties and variables in this because there is a great variety of conditions in which they function. What will work in one place may not work in another, and vice versa, but they will be Christian communities with this vision for the Kingdom of God and the Great Commission.